Welcome to Move Left Idiots, a socialist talk podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Monterulo, uh, joined here by my co-host, Comrade Dracula. Comrade, what's happening? Oh my god, it's 80 degrees for a second day in a row here in the state of Chicago. Chicago land, uh, I've, been, I've been out riding my bike like multiple times a day. Like I'll go out for two hours, three hours, and then come home, eat, and then go out like at night for another two, three hours. It's, it's amazing uh, to have this great weather so early. In the year, uh, it was just a few weeks ago that, like, I, you know, or I guess more than a few weeks. Yeah, no, it was like a few weeks ago. I couldn't even go down my stairs because they were encased in ice. <laughs> and now it's 80 <laughs> degrees out. Right. Uh, and, and when it gets this nice out, I, you know, I can always tell when it's good weather because my, uh, my, my neighborhood is like 95% Latino, right? But mm-hmm. like right across the the way from me, like I'm on the fourth floor of my building, and like next door there's a, like a three story building, and there's like some really loud, obnoxious white people that live there, and they have like a band, but like they're they're all like white guys that act black, but only listen to white rap, right? <laughs> like, and it's it's like white rappers that like play acoustic guitar, like that's their whole fucking thing. Oh, man. So they'll like go out on like, the porch like Macklemore, and, like. Like real fucking yeah, or or like that guy from House of Pain, right? Oh God, yeah, that that guy that like busts probably out big Machine get... Gun Kelly fans and shit. Right, right. Like they, sh- I'm like, you really want to live here? Or do, are you sure you don't want to live in Boston? Because I feel like you're from Boston. <laughs> uh, so yeah, they'll like go out on their porch and they're just like jamming out, like singing really shitty white rapper songs on acoustic guitars at like two in the morning. And I'm just like, shut the fuck up! You're ruining this. <laughs> It's just like I'd rather have just car alarms going off than listen to you guys. <laughs> anyway. Oh man, maybe we'll bust out some Uncle Cracker. <laughs> there you go. There you go. He actually had a good song, you know, of, of, of all the white rappers. So <laughs> he, had, he had the one. Um, Wait, wasn't it, that was the House of Pain guy? Wasn't it? No, that he was he was Kid Rock's DJ. That like, oh god, remember? He, well, he did that song. Why that, are there that so follow, many of them? I know. <laughs> he did that song "Follow Me." That was pretty good. And they did that like kind of modern cover of "Drift Away," uh, which was pretty good. And uh, I, I, know I, I don't that know is, what the hell he's I'm, done. I'm, I'll forget the, it by the time we're the done. Fuck, so I'm like not the Doobie look it Brothers up. song or something. I don't know. Anyway, oh. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he did a, he did a pretty good like like radio hit cover of that. Um, but yeah, anyway. Uh, you know, obviously, this is uh, our 200th episode, so... woo Yeah. <laughs> to, to mark the occasion, we thought, uh, obviously, we have to have my OG co-host, LaDonna, on with us. So, LaDonna, uh, thanks for coming on. woo Get ready. Here it comes. Whoop! Oh. There it goes. <laughs> Damn. There goes the build-up. <laughs> Did you just I pop am... a cop car window? What was that sound? <laughs> I am celebrating this accomplishment with champagne. Day drinking. Why not? It's amazing you didn't break, like, because you were just, you know, waiting for that moment. I was like, you're definitely gonna you shoot the cork right into the computer screen, <laughs> bring everything to a screeching halt. But I no, was like, it, comrade, if you don't well. shut the fuck up, I'm never gonna get to this. <laughs> <laughs> we made it. Oh uh, man! All right, yeah. So, you know, 200 episodes. Um, you know, it, it's pretty crazy. I, I, I guess it's technically it's kind of a meaningless number because you know it's not like the anniversary of the first i actually couldn't even i was trying before we went on air to figure out the first episode that i posted and it probably was in like april of 17 i think um but yeah i mean you know it's it's pretty insane to think about that we that 
uh, that we've been doing this for so long and that I've been doing this for even longer. I, you know, I even had um, a, a host before LaDonna was on, uh, me and uh, Adrian and uh, this yeah. guy Max used to host it. Uh, and which, you know, the three of us, I, for, I doubt anyone still listens from that time. That was fucking, you know, a century ago and a much, much different show uh, with a different name. But we were, it was basically just the... If you have listened to this show all that time, leave a comment <laughs> on the SoundCloud page because we want to know who the fuck you are. Right. No, for <laughs> real. To, to thank you, to congratulate you, not like a stalkerish kind of thing. Cheers <laughs> to you. <laughs> right, right. I think I might be the only one. I mean, <laughs> like me and like two other people. But no, uh, yeah. So, I mean, it, it's pretty insane to, to think about where the show's come since then. Um, it was a very, like We've I said, a very so different many show. places. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, and you know, it, it, it just, uh, it, it's cool. It's really cool that we, that we've, that we've had this many episodes and, uh, yeah. So, th- you know, thanks for coming on yeah, everybody I, and we'll, uh, and the, you, the Krasenstein I mean... podcast lasted all of seven months. <laughs> How's Hillary's Joe podcast Biden's, doing? What's, Joe Biden's what's podcast, <laughs> Joe Biden's podcast lasted all of seven episodes. So I was actually trying to look up if there's a, you know, how many, like long-running socialist talk podcasts there are and I, I none of them say how long they are but you have to be one of the longest running uh, yeah i think so i mean I, you know it a lot of people just kind of get into it to try to make money and then they realize very quickly that there's zero money in fucking <laughs> podcasts i mean would you get would you call chapo socialist podcasting i mean it's kind of eh, socialist yeah. adjacent yeah just kind of shit but yeah, they've been, i mean i think they've probably been around longer than us but yeah yeah not not uh let's see oh hillary's still going wow she uh posted her first episode in september and she just posted one on tuesday uh man very prolific (laughs) very prolific uh this is a rough all those like mainstream politicians podcasts are all like 20 30 minutes long like the like they're no longer than like a like an npr segment it's very designed for that format you know well, they're so busy and living in their fucking mansions. I'm sure they, they, they're constantly doing things that they can't even devote a fucking hour to a podcast. Uh, so she actually... Yeah. Drop your name in the comments if you listen longer than 20 minutes. We salute <laughs> right. you. <laughs> right. Um, she, you know what's funny about the 20-minute thing is like you, you'll see all these people who just have never heard podcasts before in their lives, and they always do those kinds of podcasts, like celebrities. And it's because they have consultants that tell them, oh, no, that that's actually the optimal listening time for one person's commute in the morning. And people like... And everyone I know on the planet's like, I fucking hate short podcasts. I like to actually, like... You know, put them on while I'm doing like work around the house or while I'm whatever, like cleaning the yard and like just relaxing and getting lost in conversation. 20 minute podcasts are for like psychos who don't actually, you know, fucking uh, <laughs> engage with anything on, a, on on anything below a surface level. So that's why they're perfect right. for people like Hillary. And you could sell like an ad in front, an ad in back and an ad in the middle. And then that's like, you know, only broken up by like eight minutes of talking in between. So to them, it's like perfect. But to me, that's those podcasts. And, and nobody's really listening to that. Anyone who likes no. a 20 minute podcast by Hillary Clinton isn't really <laughs> listening. It's just they like her voice for some perverse reason. You know, like uh, I you imagine I actually miss when we used to do like two, two and a half hour long casts when we had the, you know the time to because we would, you know, we wouldn't really like get into fucking real shit to the second hour. 
right? right. And that's yeah. when shit got really fucking interesting. You know, um, I, I really enjoyed the cast we did a, a few weeks ago. Uh, we had an astronomer on, and uh, we, we didn't go for yeah, two hours great. or anything, but uh, I heard from one of our listeners that uh, she had listened to that episode like three times. Wow. Like th- came back and listened to it three times, <laughs> just to like um, look up all the stuff that she was saying about like <laughs> just research all the different well, things. I mean, that it, were it was something probably. of a special episode. You know, we don't, we don't, we're not uh, lucky enough to have an astronomer on the show every week, obviously. But uh, you know, we kind of wanted to switch it up a little bit and not just talk about politics, but talk about sort of the morality and ethics of uh, space exploration right. uh decolonizing space as it and were and we're not space scientists on this show among many other no. scientists that I, you know no. i feel attacked here <laughs> <laughs> are you insulting my astronomy credits <laughs> no 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 um oh wait, 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 wait. you're aren't you like into like astrology is that you think that's what we meant no total joke <laughs> no no um no it was it was really fun though like it was really uh, a, a much different experience than our usual uh, podcast and it was. I know I we swore a lot again. less. I, I yeah. Oh, I, we were very yeah, yeah very well behaved on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she probably wouldn't even cared, but it was just we we definitely wanted to give the uh, the professional appearance off a little bit more. But I'm actually looking through. <laughs> I just wanted to look, I just wanted to read off some of Hillary's guests because I'm looking through her podcast feed. <laughs> uh, b- back on March second, she had uh, Secretary of State uh, Tony Blinken on. She talked to him for 36 <laughs> minutes, so that must have been. Who? A real, fa- <laughs> a real fascinating discussion of all the different people that they want to murder uh, in different countries. Ouch! So, what's your favorite uh, coup? Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I know well, my favorite's Libya, but I don't know about you. you know? <laughs> it's so hard to pick favorites. I love all my coups equally. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Bon- oh, she had a bonus episode back in January with Nancy Pelosi. That w- that must have been a real fucking. Real doozy, um, <laughs> yeah. But so anyway, that's a show I need to drink for. <laughs> for real, for real. I've for never real. heard the both of their voices together at the same time, but I imagine like like <clears throat> hearing Hillary Clinton and Nancy Pelosi talk to each other would just be like like taking like it's got to be Ford chalk and just yeah. like right. grinding it into my ears. You know, it, like just like it, how fun would that feel? It's got to be fake because I have to imagine if Nancy Pelosi and Hillary Clinton got together and started talking, it would open the event horizon and we'd all like, you know, cross into the hell dimension. So I do have to imagine that that didn't actually happen and that if you click on that, it'll just be like, oh, no, no episode found. Wait, this isn't hell? I'm pretty sure it was. That's true. Maybe maybe that's what happened. Maybe. I guarantee if you listen to it, it's like just they they pre-recorded it separately and didn't actually hear each other, you know, like not even just not in the same room, but like not recording with each other. So it's just here's here's the written question. You record your answer and then we'll edit it all together. And it's it, it, it won't sound like two human beings at all having right. a conversation. It's well, just going to sound like thoughtful they question. Edited. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck. All right. Well, like, like you know, when you watch a movie and you can tell that they, they like something got fucked up and they had to reshoot stuff. So they had like somebody, the, the somebody will like in, right? say something and then somebody gets up and walks out of frame and then they say something off camera, but the audio quality is mm-hmm. totally different. It'll be right. like that. That that is such a pet peeve of mine, and I know some. I think that I, like a lot of people don't even notice that, but we probably just having done a lot of like film audio stuff. It just it it's so obvious to me when like. 
a line like that's 80 yard in and it just totally takes you out of the fucking like whatever you're watching where it's like marvel surprisingly does a lot of that and for all the money they spend on production you you can always tell when like that happens because they they like had to change something last minute and didn't like match the audio you know like they didn't match the room tone Enough, Which is it's very like, obvious when you record something in a studio versus when you're actually physically at, at a location or, you know, in a whatever you're in that that they're filming it the first time. Um, I don't need to see Hillary Clinton to know that she's real. <laughs> she is always with me oh, and my God. pantsuit nation bumper sticker. <laughs> Oh, man, I'm still hey, with her. Um, hashtag. I, you know, I feel like this is yeah. a good a good point to to just like <clears throat> bounce in that Kylie Brakeman clip that I wanted you to play. Can you cue that oh, up? Oh yeah, quick? yeah, yeah. Let me. Uh, this is <laughs> very unprepared. Here, wait. <laughs> um. This. Okay. This. Okay. This. Um. This. That's it. That's the tweet. That's it. That's the tweet. Uh, that's it. That's the tweet. I got news for you, Lindsey Graham. The blue wave is a coming. <laughs> this, uh, this. Okay, Representative Ted Lieu is throwing some serious shade. Nancy Pelosi does not have time for this. You, sir, have won the internet. This is the best thing I've seen all day. Hey, Alyssa Milano has officially had enough of Moscow Mitch, and we are living for it. This it. This the tweet. Internet win of the day goes to you. Let me break it down for you, Donnie Trump. Elizabeth Warren is Hermione. We's the Harry Potter, and you, sir, are Voldemort. Hot save America, indeed. Mommy drinky wine all day. That's it. That's the tweet. <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> so... Uh, that's actually really good too because she, she's one of those people you're never quite sure if she's like she, she'll always like you know kind of make fun of the Pelosi's of the world but it's it's nice to see that she makes fun of just like the most insufferable Democrats on Twitter as well I cannot uh, stand when somebody like I'll see a, a tweet <clears throat> that's just quote tweeting something intelligent and the person who's quote tweeting them just says this <laughs> Right, I've and, and that least, tweet that just says this <laughs> has like a thousand fucking retweets on it. Like you didn't say anything. You yeah, just, that doesn't happen. Like, but yeah. <laughs> right. So yeah. Oh, the um, other thing that needs to stop happening is people that's that uh, they're just lazy, so they format their tweets with whatever like they've seen a million times. Right. Like starting off every tweet with I don't know who needs to hear this, but like just stop. <laughs> You don't need to use those words. You're just being fucking lazy. Stop it. Right, right. <laughs> well, these things are mind worms. I mean, they, you know, they get into the psyche and they just don't leave. And the next thing you know, you're just filled with them. That's my They don't leave anyway. because of lazy writers. <laughs> like, if you're that fucking lazy of a writer, like, why are you even on Twitter? Yeah, well, it becomes formula for them. Yeah, yeah. Which is the no. shit or, or I refuse the, to write. I mean, or, that's what they want now. They want to pay you for clickbait, and it just makes my skin crawl. Or like the lame ass people that will tweet that's like it. the same <laughs> shit every. There's like this one guy who tweets the same thing. Like, like what 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 five albums could you not live? With? And he tweets it like the same day every year. Like just just <laughs> like blatant engagement bait. Like just just give me more fucking followers so I can you know start selling shit in the replies of my tweets, you know, like just, yeah, yeah. it's local Twitter. It's local Twitter bullshit. 
you know, the people who think they're saying something profound, but really it's just like, you know, I don't know who needs to hear this, but man, women who like t-shirts have the best pussy. <laughs> it's just like, what? What the or fuck? Like the, it's like, or the, oh, you got a thousand likes on that. Like, what? Well, right. and the other thing that gets me, and I don't know, I mean, I know this happens, shadow banning, but there's also a lot of people that just have really shitty content that want to believe they're shadow banned. It's like, no, your shit just sucks. So. Oh, I know. The people, they're like, hey, I think I'm shadow banned. Uh, can you see this tweet? Yeah, can we can see fucking it. see it, bro. And it's got like... 17,000 fucking likes. Look at that fucking shadow ban. You're just an attention whore. Shut the fuck up. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. Or, yeah, no, for sure. I, you know, speaking of viral tweets this week, did you guys see that tweet about the one person who talked about how, like, Prince sucks? Like, 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 like how Prince wasn't that good? How he's only got one good song. And and the person wouldn't even like reply what the one good song was. I'm like, what the, <laughs> fu- like, what the fuck? I actually don't even know what they think the one good Prince song is. Like that that's the that was the fascinating thing to me. I, was I like, bet you it's not even a Prince song. It's like a song they falsely <laughs> attribute to Prince. <laughs> right. You know? Like like how there's a bunch of songs that people falsely attribute <clears> to, <throat> like Bob Marley. Like, don't worry, be happy by Bobby McClure. Right, right, right. <laughs> like that shit. Or like they interchange Michael Jackson and Prince. Like they're the same right. person. <laughs> right. No. Other than Thriller, what the fuck has Prince ever done? No. Yeah. That it just, <laughs> just, just, just the disrespect was 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 unreal. Fucking fucking uh, Gen what what, what, what Gen, Gen Zers or whatever the fuck they are. Um, but yeah. So let's get into the news of the week because. Uh, there's not a ton going on this week, but there's definitely stuff we want to hit on. Um, you know, first and foremost, uh, I don't know if you know you guys saw this the other day, but this is from uh, an interview with the. Uh, oh, hang on, just lost the uh, the page there. Basically, uh, compelling episode, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> no, my bad, my bad. No, so uh, Biden's uh, Department of Homeland Security may restart construction on the U.S.-Mexico border wall to fill in any, quote-unquote, gaps in the current barrier, says DHS Secretary Alexander Mayorkas. Oh, uh, man. We- Th- thank, thank God we appointed a, an immigrant to run DHS. Right, right. Groundbreaking. The whitest, the whitest immigrant you've ever seen in your life. I mean, he looks like Uncle Fester, but you know, that's besides the point. He has a name that sounds like it's actually, you know, ethnic. Well, he has well, a first you know name. What, you know what they're terrified of because you know it's come through that um, you know people crossing the numbers have increased drastically. So everybody wants to say, oh, well, Trump was successful in scaring people away. You know, the border policy, and now everybody's coming because it's Biden. So what? What are they going to do? That you know, it's not like have more humane. You know thorough thoughtful policy no it's just you know work on the wall right right not not just you know let the people in rather than keep the kids uh, we talked about last week the kids who are literally fucking shoulder to shoulder with their yeah. aluminum foil blankets and these fucking holding cells that are at like a th- like 1300 percent capacity oh but it's a not a cage pandemic. yeah whatever well it's right, not a cage right. they've they've got like a plexiglass thing it's more of like a terrarium you know, and I, I really, guys, come on. I mean, it's, it's, humane. it's like I don't think it's it's necessarily wrong to kind of re-wordsmith these things so that people understand that this is a, you know, more compassionate but still sternly don't come here administration. So I, I had I saw some uh, um, some of the names for Biden's border wall uh, being floated. Um, on, this is all, all from Twitter. I didn't come up with these, but these are great, great 
brands here. Uh, and brands, I mean, uh, you know, slogans. Uh, anyway, so uh, first one, anti-human trafficking barrier. I think that's that's got a good ring to it. Anti, because we don't like human trafficking. And bad, who's yes. to say? Who's to say if they came here alone or were they were forced to by bad people? Um, uh, another one, migrant filtration apparatus. <clears throat> <laughs> it's a little, it's a little clunky, uh, but we'll work on that. We'll come. Uh, really nice, simple one. A welcome wall. Oh yeah. Now that one we need a focus group definitely. <laughs> I mean, how about build the wall back better, like so we can really tie in. <laughs> well, that's what filling the gaps I'm sorry, implies. I shouldn't you know? laugh, but if I don't laugh, I will cry, and I cry we, too we much. Tie, so. Come on, we'll tie in his campaign slogan and Trump's campaign slogan. It's a, it's, it's, it's a bipartisan one. campaign slogan. <laughs> This next one's got a nice, nice spring to it. Uh, ethical restraining partition. <laughs> you know, like like when you go off to space, you uh, got to be separated, you know, from your loved ones to you know quarantine so you don't take viruses up there. Uh, I understand that one, and um, this is my favorite one: uh, a human unidirectional diffusion barrier. <laughs> Those are definitely words. <laughs> We can all agree that those are those are some. Those words. are in fact words. I, I, I can I can confirm as much. Yeah, I mean, look, this is uh, this is exactly what we expected. I, you know, again, liberals will be silent about this, or they'll uh, find a way to justify it. I've already seen them justifying, you know, using the exact same language that Republicans used uh, about migrants, where they just talk about them as if they're animals and not human. Um, to justify the way that Biden's administration is handling this. And that's exactly what I've come to expect from liberal liberals who have no principle whatsoever. They're just going to, it's literally the same exact fucking shit that the Republicans would say about, you know, migrants flooding into the borders and all these fucking words. Democrats talk about kids in cages now as though they're domesticated animals. It's like, we can't just let them out into the wild. How would they feed themselves? Like we have to put them through a process, so, you know. Like we have to, <laughs> we have to train right. them how to, you know. Like it's 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 insane. And you know, obviously, if somebody shows up, uh, you know, seeking asylum, like you have to. There's a process for that. We get that. But uh, the reason you keep them, you know, thirty kids in one cage together is because you know if you gave them all a hotel room. Then they'd be like, "Oh, we can all just come here and get a hotel room, and you're gonna like they they're still doing the same thing Trump was doing, which is making it look horrifying on purpose. Right. Cruelty right. is the point. They don't want those people to come here. They don't want the the, the refugees. They've said that exact phrase. U.S. Yeah. foreign policy and destabilizing <clears throat> governments and and military right wing military coups that we've been promoting and endorsing and backing and paying for." They don't want the blowback of that to come here. Right. Right. Which is, you know, again, like you said, we're the fucking cause of this. The least we could do is let them in with their fucking families and then, you know, sort things out afterwards. And, you know, it's been shown in the past that when you let people in and say, hey, you got to come back on this date, uh, you know, for a hearing, most people show back up. Like it's a it's a high percentage of people that shows back up. The majority of people that are here illegally and we talk about this all the time, fucking flew here. They didn't. They don't cross the border. They don't right. swim across the Rio Grande. Like, the majority of the people who are here have overstayed travel visas, work yeah. visas, you know, whatever visa, um, which I'm sure is only exacerbated by the pandemic when it's hard to travel back and forth between countries. Um, 
it, it, it's fucking inhumane. Borders are stupid to begin with. It's a stupid fucking concept. The least we can do for these kids is literally put them up in fucking hotel rooms while we, pro- you know, if, if you are going to detain them and process them before you actually let them in, let them have some semblance of a fucking decent life after they've just gone through probably the most miserable, harrowing trip of their lives just to get to the fucking border. Like, it's it's insane, but... Again, like I said, cruelty is the point. Uh, the Biden administration is stock full of fucking uh, conservative shitheads who who don't believe that anyone who's not from this country uh, deserves to be here and that they need to earn their keep. And you know, it's they're all fucking conservatives. They all have conservative viewpoints on immigration, on the economy, on uh, healthcare, on every conceivable. Then we should all leave um, because none of us were, none of our people are from here. Right, I mean, of course. Yeah, unless I mean, you're that's, indigenous. That's, yeah. it's, it's a fucking joke to begin with, but you know. Please let me Fuck. leave. I don't want to be <laughs> right, anymore. right, right. Please, someone <laughs> offer us here. asylum at a Anywhere. fucking country where they actually, you know, give people health care and and don't do the horrendous shit that they do here, and sort of take the pandemic seriously. Like I'll settle for even sort of at this point. Um, but yeah, so. Um, you know, more of the same from the from the Biden administration. Um, briefly, did you guys see? I, I do want to mention before we move on to the uh, the kind of serious topic this week. Did you guys see Matt uh, Iglesias's tweet about uh, housing this week? Because I think I have him blocked. <laughs> Comrade, oh yeah, no, he, I saw that shit. I saw okay. that shit. He he reinvented serfdom. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So let me um, let me pull up his tweet here. So <clears throat> um, he replied in a reply to a tweet uh, about uh, uh, about housing, where a guy was saying investors are snapping up single-family homes, uh, competing with ordinary Americans, driving up prices beyond the reach of many, and fueling the next real estate bubble. So he quote tweeted this: um, "It's not going to happen." But in my opinion, it would be uh, kind of it would kind of be better if eighty percent of the nation's housing stock were owned by like seven giant national landlording franchises, uh, and the normal way for families to live was to sign a long term lease with some kind of early termination option. <laughs> oh, good lord! Right, and then so you so know how we had you know like Disney and Viacom and Sony right. own all of the every you know every single TV station or radio station uh, and major internet news outlet in the whole country. They control all of what you see in here. What if we did the same <clears> thing with <throat> uh, owning real estate? Well, the quality would obviously only go up, go up because the quality <laughs> of, of, of programming on the on the national cable networks is top notch. I mean, who doesn't watch NCIS, oh. you know, <laughs> Timbuktu or wherever the fuck God. they have the, that show from now. Um, no, So he actually followed up in a reply to that tweet because he was getting bombarded with replies, uh, as per usual. Uh, I enjoy the... Se- <laughs> I enjoy the sense of security that comes with home ownership, but every time I need to actually do the job of property manager, it drives the home that I have. Uh, no, re- no, re- no relevant expertise in the decisions would be better made uh, by someone whose full-time job is knowing which roofers are good. So, because this fat fuck doesn't want to, like, you know, mow his lawn or do research. <laughs> he's too lazy to clean his own gutters, and he's just like... I just I want to ring a bell and have somebody show up and do it for me. Like you can fucking pay for someone to do it for you, right? But he doesn't <laughs> want to like do research, so therefore, it, you know, f- fucking like multinational global conglomerates should own all of the fucking housing and then just charge whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. Like 
He's so dumb. I can't believe this fucking guy gets paid like a million dollars a year to fucking report news. Why do you need a full-time job to know who does the... I'll tell you who does the best best fucking roofing. It's Mexicans. Bar none. They are the best best laborers. Right, because Americans are fucking lazy. We're we're well aware of this, you know. The best roofers, the best painters, the best fucking tile grouters, like everything. They're like the attention to detail, and and they're not all fucking tweaked out on meth. (laughs) Right, right, right. You're gonna get a quality job there. Right, right. Which and again, you know, I know we we already talked about immigration, but it's always been such a funny stereotype to me when people like, oh, well, Mexicans are lazy; they just want to come here and live off the government. I'm like. They are Did the you, hardest working people. Right, like, have you seen like the way, the, like the jobs that Mexicans have to do when they come here? Like, you know, two, I, I know, three, I, four of them, yeah. Right, and I've I've worked like I, when I worked at the supermarket, like in high school, when I worked with my stepdad at his like meat uh, food distribution place. They're like the fucking hardest workers you'll ever find. Like, I've never met an actual late. Like, it, it's just I, I don't know where that stereotype comes from. Maybe like the fucking old like you know spaghetti westerns where there'd be like a mexican guy like asleep on you know leaned against the wall outside of the saloon or whatever that maybe that's where that fucking uh stereotype came from from racist white texans who realized that uh there were people who could do their job twice as good as them Mm -hmm. and yeah they didn't want to have to compete with that labor that's where it came from and and just making it okay to rationalize that in their heads of like, oh, it's not that I am racist. It's just they're lazy. I don't want lazy people coming over right. here, obviously. And this um, is, I mean, that that's the, the big elephant in the room of, of, you know, America's union labor history <clears> is <throat> that, uh, you know, from the late 1800s up through the 1940s World War, uh, World War II, um, labor unions were extremely racist. You know, you had riots during World War Two because the white labor unions in Detroit didn't want to have the uh, factories integrated. FDR desegregated the, the war factories in Detroit and the, the white labor unions went on strike during a time of war, which is technically an act of treason uh, because they didn't want to work alongside black workers. They didn't want to uh, share those jobs. Yeah, and they didn't want to have them moving into their community and having homes either. So, right, right. Well, you know, I, we, we we're going to touch on a couple other things. We obviously want to touch on the uh, the Derek Chauvin case uh, and uh, the Adam Toledo situation. I we, I did forget to mention while we were talking about the border. You know, in between our last episode and this one, uh, AOC caused a bit of a firestorm online because of her comments on uh, a Zoom interview. Regarding what's happening at the border right now, and we, you know, detailed last week what's going on down at these facilities. Um, it's horrific because they actually, you know, for the first time let reporters in to view the conditions. And we even played that clip of uh, I, we think it was Ted Cruz trying to record uh, what was happening, and that that one Biden or, or either Biden or DHS official trying to like block the filming of what was happening using the guise of like oh well please give these kids their dig please give them their dignity like like as if you know fucking stuffing them in to a room like uh, like fucking hot pockets was was somehow dignified um but here here's aoc's rationale for what's going on uh down at the border uh, and and we'll we'll talk about that briefly now the first thing i want to say is that the fact that this keeps happening 
over and over and over again is a political failure by both parties. And I want to be very clear about that because I don't want to draw false equivalents. What is happening here is not the same as what happened during the Trump administration where they took babies out of the arms of their mothers and deported their families and permanently traumatized these children, some of whom we don't know will ever be reunified mm. with their family again, which is a level of human rights violation that is just simply not the same. Both of these things are barbaric and they're wrong. But when you rip a baby out of the hands of a mother, you cannot draw the same comparison. And anyone who is trying to do that is doing a profound disservice to the cause of justice. So I don't want to excuse any of this, but I'm also, I don't think we should also get them twisted together because one is not the same and we cannot dust that under the rug. And by the way, those families are owed reparations, period. <sighs> what, what, what is the point of making that fucking distinction right now? Donald Trump is not the president. We're, we're, we're like, I, I don't understand what the fuck is wrong with her. Like, because what? she's been told to be an attack dog against the other side and not against her own side. That's what it's the pathetic. point of that is. It's fucking, I know, but it's fucking pathetic. Like, that, do, do, you, do, you, do you hear yourself right now? The same person that was down at the fucking border, you know, crying hysterically for a photo op or, t- for a photo op or not, you know, whether it was genuine or not, at, at the fucking kids in cages, and now we have more kids in cages... And and you're and you're there trying to make fucking some you know uh, semantic fucking differences about the way that those kids got to those cages. Like what the fuck? Well, she's, I mean, she's kind of cracking under pressure. Like we know that she reads the replies, right? We know that she's getting uh, basically, mm. you know, held to account for this. And you you, you can tell when somebody is being defensive and they know they're saying things that are disingenuous because they'll constantly right. say you know I don't think da, 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 but da, and she does that yeah. she right. did the that bad. like at least four times right and they right. always say if you ever start a sentence with you know an assertion and then you say but <laughs> the assertion was a lie right. <laughs> right ignore everything you say before the word but so, in a but, sentence and, and and she knows it is and she's she's being defensive because she knows that she's bullshitting and she knows that she's got this internal conflict and it's apparent you know same thing with force the vote you know her defensiveness on force the vote saying oh this is this is violence you know these are bad faith attacks on me it's like no they weren't they they people had good criticism they were like why can't you do this you don't need the entire progressive caucus you only need three people to, to make right, this happen. Right, exactly. I wasn't in her, support of force the vote, but I, I certainly think she can be held well, accountable. Yeah. Right, but you don't have to be in support of it. Wait, I her, just did it. Her, but. <laughs> her argument for why it was a bad idea and why she didn't want to do it was completely a lie. She knew it was a good right. idea. She had to come up with a lie for somehow why it wasn't, because everyone thought, and everyone was like, that's a brilliant idea. You and, know, and everyone who looked at it. 
Right, and to distract by by impugning the character of the people asking her to do this thing rather than actually engaging with the the substance of what they were saying, whether she agreed or not that it was a good strategy. She didn't she, want she to admit as if, that it was her job that she was worried about protecting. Of right, of course, of course, yeah. of course. And that's that's what people were saying. Like, look, you whether you agree or not, engage with what people are saying. Don't say that it's in bad faith to say, hey, you're totally within your power to do this. In fact, the centrists in Congress do this all the fucking time. Like they use their, their power as a small uh, voting block when you have a small majority to get right. everything that they fucking it, want and, done. So and there's, Ilhan did know. it too. Ilhan was, you know, when, right. when she was asked about, you know, why haven't you fought harder for, you know, getting 15 now in uh, Biden's stimulus bill? And she's like, well, we met with people and da da da. And she just went around in circles and didn't fucking answer the question. Which she said, it's oh, it's like, on the Biden administration to do that. It's like, no, you could literally force him to do it if you would fucking be seen to publicly challenge right. him. But God forbid you lose a committee position next go around. Um, and hey, that wouldn't be a fucking issue if you didn't keep voting for Nancy Pelosi as the speaker and she didn't control that fucking chamber with an iron fist. And like, you wouldn't if, have if, to worry about that. If she was honest, she would have just said, look, I'm for 15 now. Biden said he was, but behind closed doors, he's not. Right. So that's why we don't have a shot here. Yeah, I would respect that. And call that. out that motherfucker. And I would respect that. Exactly. Me too. Uh, yeah. But I she doesn't. Would. She goes along with the game plan because that's what a company hack does. When she acts like in that, in that Mehdi Hassan clip we played last week, she acted as if Biden's administration wants it, but he's not fighting hard enough for it, rather than the fact that we all fucking know he doesn't want it. I mean, they've signaled publicly and privately slash publicly in those like meetings with the mayors and governors that like we're not going to push for this at all aka we don't want to fucking do it we just knew it was like the bare minimum that we had to do to get elected but we're not going to fucking do it same with the two thousand dollar checks like we you know they knew exactly what they were fucking doing with the with the two thousand dollar check lie like they knew exactly the way that that would have been interpreted uh, and they just fucking did it anyway because they just have no conscience about shit like that. I have Anything a question, that gets them fucking elected. Is Rashida not making these kinds of errors or are we not looking closely she's enough just, at her? She's just not really doing as much meat. I think she's smart enough to know that like she probably would do those things that they're right. doing if she had to go on media. And she's like, I, you know, she, she says stupid shit too sometimes in yeah. defense of the party, but she's a little bit better at, at keeping herself scarce when she knows that she has no good avenue i think to to defend you know uh, uh, the 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 squad or the democrats in general's position i think she just keeps herself scarce i mean i saw the one where aoc was talking about it was kind of like they were begging her to come up with something positive on pelosi and she was like you know i have respect for you know her the history of activism blah 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 and it was clearly somebody that was just desperately trying like ah there has to be something okay here's one you know but who looked very uncomfortable about the whole thing i don't know i'm sure you know like i'm sure she is but you know she's she's made uh, she's kind of made her made her bed like at this point i feel like she's made her decision that like at the end of the day it's more important for her to keep that job and keep rising as a political figure and a, a person with influence and um, rec and name recognition than it is to actually accomplish the things that the activists who fought to get her into that seat uh, thought she was. She's mentally for. made a calculation. She believes yeah. that there's this long game, you know, that she can play. And and I guess I wish she would talk to more people who tried to play that long game and <laughs> hear what they had to say. 
Yeah, because there's fucking none. There's none left. Bernie Sanders is the only one left because he just, you know, was grandfathered in. Like, there's, there's fucking <laughs> none of those people left. I would say with Rashida, too, like, she's she's not as much of, like, a, a, a media hound, right? Mm-hmm. And she's a lot mm. more, it, it seems to me, like, she's a lot more focused on her actual district, yeah. Right. And, and she had an activist background on kind of unlike the other two. She was. You know. She was an on the ground organizer and right. I, I know that she probably uh despises the Democratic Party. because uh, if you are an organizer, like that's who is in your way most of the time. Right. Um but <laughs> well, she's you know, very yeah. very focused on you know, all the fossil fuel pollution in her district. Uh South Detroit is just like nothing but oil refineries and like coal like pet coke coal fucking smelters and just it's just nasty it's gross uh look up zug island sometime if you uh have a chance it's like the most polluted zip code in the in the country um yeah i just think it's worth talking about whether you know it's these members of the squad that are in the crosshairs of republicans they fucking hate aoc you know they, they hate ilan omar um is it that or is it truly that they are seeking more media attention and also making more errors i i think there's a with aoc specifically and i you know i for ilhan i you know she was already an elected official so i really don't I, and you know she's much more unknown but with aoc specifically i think a lot of people pointed out early on in her career and i think a lot of us were kind of l- hoping to look past it and hoping that it wasn't the case but she really has kind of had a traditional standard democratic political career trajectory. She was an aide to Ted Kennedy. Um, you know, she she did multiple trips overseas. Um, you know, for various like who even knows what the fuck was going on there. And I'm, I'm not, and I'm again, I'm not saying like oh AOC's CIA. Like that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is like I feel like there was a lot of her, um, a lot of her imagery and a lot of the way she presented herself was definitely a generous view of who she was coming into congress versus right i think she, what a lot of us wanted to think she was she'd been welcomed into the family already yeah uh, yeah to a certain extent she was a part of that that you know that that pipeline i think and i think you know she i'm sure she maybe believes a lot of the things that she was supporting but it it is hard now just having been so thoroughly you know disappointed frustrated by the shit she says to watch a clip of her and not think that it seems performative when she when she is on the house floor like talking about you know the way that republicans are not doing something like she'll 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 gladly tweet about the democrats not doing something she almost never will say shit to their face or never say it in a national media interview where she needs to you know, actually be held accountable for it. She'll do it at like a little, you know, forum that's like, you know, heavily attended by activists or something. But she's just very careful with how she does this shit now. And and I do wonder if we just kind of, you know, gave her passes because we just wanted to to believe that she would be. Yeah, we we weren't giving her a pass. She was saying good shit. And now she says bad shit. But (laughs) we've we've been consistent. I agree. I'm, and and I, when I'm she just... says good shit, I'll I'll be on board for it. You know, it's just that, like lately she's saying a lot of disingenuous stuff that you know she doesn't even believe, and it reads that way, right? Right. So it's hard. I, to I just think she's she's eroded a lot of the trust and goodwill that she's built up, and it's going to be a really difficult thing to ever build back up with the left because we've been 
fucked over so many times, even by people who I do believe are genuinely, you know, generally a good faith actor like Bernie, who just, you know, I think kind of made a calculus at this age in his life where he's like, well, this is probably the most I'm going to get done, so I better do it. Uh, you know, I, th I feel like it's very hard to ever earn back trust with the left, especially when you're just being as blatantly disingenuous as AOC has been in the last, you know, six months, however long it's been. The left holds grudges for sure. <laughs> it's a long memory. And, and rightfully so. I mean, you know, it, it just anyone who actually sticks true to their principles is, is, is typically run out of politics with, with pitchforks. Like, Go ask Ralph Nader how he fucking feels about you know the way he was treated on his way out of uh, uh, way out of. DC. The thing I is, Ralph Ralph Nader doesn't care what anyone else fucking thinks. No, I know that's the great that's thing the about difference. Ralph Nader. Right. That's why he is the the MVP of all time because he will say the truth, no matter what, no matter who it offends, no matter whose feeling gets feelings get hurt, because the man is just <clears throat> simply right. Right. You know, like he took on the entire automotive industry. Yeah. And yeah, wrote, which is insane. You know, <laughs> the reason why you Tiger Woods. Remember when Tiger Woods got in a fucking car wreck? Well, they just came out with the with the the information on that. Tiger Woods was driving 87 miles an hour in a 45 mile an hour zone when he flipped his SUV and rolled it over a bunch of times. The reason, reason why Tiger Woods isn't dead because he was driving twice the speed limit is because of Ralph Nader. Right, right. Because the reason we had, which is so insane, I think, for someone like me who, who you know, I'm, I'm in my 30s. I, you know, was born in the late 80s. I, I've never known a time where there weren't seat belts, and seat belts in cars as like a standard feature. Before Ralph Nader like forced that into law, it, I, I guess seat belts like were not a standard feature. They like weren't. they weren't, requ they weren't required no. by law. They just weren't in. That's fucking insane. It wasn't even just that. It wasn't even just that. It was, the, belt, it was right. that the automotive industry knew that seatbelts would save lives, but they didn't want to put them in their cars because it would make people think that driving was dangerous, mm -hmm. which it extremely is. <laughs> so, so real like when were like, seatbelts were, were they just like a, an option or were they just not even a thing before? They before didn't Ralph want them Peter. to be a thing. They wanted people to think that cars were completely safe but what was really happening was every time you got in a, in a collision you get ejected through the fucking windshield and you'd be right, right. killed instantly right right but yeah like i, I don't know exactly cars what you didn't have them yeah and i remember cars yeah. that kind of had them but like they were tucked underneath and nobody used right. them. right <laughs> or they're like the lap belt like the shitty yeah. like what went around your lap sort of thing right I, i've seen those in cars and like older classic cars but like i still that. know people that don't wear them like still that's it. that's so weird to me. Yeah, I, I I don't know. I don't get it, but <laughs> it's it's fuck, you know, it, it, it's just so bizarre. But that yeah, but yeah, Ralph Nader, fucking basically forced the creation of the EPA and forced fucking car makers to put seatbelts in their cars. So anyone that talks shit about him or like you know costing Gore the costing the one of the worst fucking most bland candidates of all time in election against a fucking uh, you know. <laughs> complete moron but, but George like, W. Bush is their friend now they should be thanking <laughs> right Ralph they Nader. right they love him they should be thanking Ralph Nader for getting him elected he's such a nice guy and right you know he, he paints George such, W. Such Bush even if you disagree with him on policy George W. Bush loves America I mean if you love America you you send its soldiers into a quagmire where they die for a for a lie like that's right, how you prove your love to the country right <laughs> 
Oh, fuck. Yeah. So All right, let's talk about know. these cases. <laughs> right. Let's let's get into these two cases cuz cuz this yeah. Um yeah, for some lighter news, let's uh, why, don't, why don't you give us the update on the uh the Derek Chauvin case. Of course, Derek Chauvin is the cop that murdered George Floyd uh is on trial right now. Um what so what what's happening with that case cuz you've actually been kind of following the day-to-day trial. Yeah. As far as so right? uh, props to Unicorn Riot. Uh, they have been streaming this and, and adding some commentary, but just like the fact that the like I don't have to look anywhere else to find this, you know, live that Unicorn Riot's just right. streaming this. Like the, the whole reason why, you know, this even got the attention it did, you know, obviously there was the video of of George Floyd's murder, his lynching, but you know, Unicorn Riot covering the uprising in Minneapolis, uh, you know, where police stations were being burned uh, and, you know, just a real rebellion. Um, they were streaming all of that, you know, which led to rebellions in Chicago and, you know, elsewhere. Um, so I've been watching their coverage. I've been watching this this hearing. And, and it's amazing when you really watch, you know, a, an actual court proceeding how little it resembles, uh, you know, Matthew McConaughey in a movie, <laughs> Deli- you know, arguing in front of a, you know, or Kevin it's Costner talking about the, <laughs> well, you know, you JFK know assassination. It's it's nothing like right. that. Yeah. The problem I think is that like everyone watched the OJ trial when it was on, mm. and and it really was like a Hollywood trial. So I feel like everyone kind of expects that in every trial now. Yeah. And and most like you said, most courtroom uh, cases are much more dry and much less flashy but i mean you know i think i think most people's point of reference for for a fucking trial a real trial is the oj trial which was so unbelievably hollywood and fucking you know pre-prepared and rehearsed and like you know like by by each of the the, you know the teams so the the thing is people are people are conditioned to watching uh you know even in a courtroom drama uh, you know, a two to three minute long scene where the defense or the prosecution is, uh, you know, interrogating a witness, whether they're a uh, character witness or expert witness, and you get to the point of what they're trying, like the point they're trying to make pretty quickly, you know, and you're like, oh, that's damning, or oh, that lets them off the hook. Like, that's not how it works in a real case. You have a witness up there for an hour and a half, two hours at a time. In the series of questions they're asked and expected to answer, which they do, they do in a very like neutral, uh, you know, non-judgment. It's just it's boring. It's just like right. You, you don't even know what point they're trying to get to half the time, unless you sit there and watch the whole two hours of one witness, right? So there's very few moments where it's like, aha, that's a big fucking tell. Um, right. but there were a few of them and I've been watching this the last few days. We're on like day 20 of the trial now, but it, it became very clear to me, uh, Derek Chauvin's attorney, his name's Eric Nelson. Like, I want to just punch this guy in the fucking face. Like, this is like, you know, if you, if you, what, what was, uh, fucking OJ's lawyer, the main one, Cochran, Johnny Cochran. Dershowitz, Dershowitz. Oh, Der- if well, you, he's, yeah, if, he's one of them, yeah. If you think like Dershowitz is a scumbag, like, wait do you see this guy, Eric Nelson? It's just he's when you need to get you need to get a cop off a murder, this is the guy you go to. Because it's nothing but, you know, George Floyd was a thug and he was on drugs and the this community of people uh, are ungrateful and hostile to police. Like that's and his somehow whole th- 
Yeah, somehow saying I can't breathe is now resisting arrest. When did that happen? Right, right. And I want to get to uh, some of the testimony that refutes that. But his whole case, I tweeted this, his entire case argues that uh, Chauvin killed George Floyd as a reflex to the hostile crowd who was somehow hostile for no reason at all. And Chauvin just couldn't help himself for nine minutes. That's the entire case. Every time this this piece of shit. It was just a nine minute reflex. Right. Uh, so every time he cross examines anybody, he's just like, "Well, but the you know the crowd, the crowd, people are yelling, people are hostile, people you are know, telling it, him to fucking stop murdering someone." Right. right. Like. Right. Well, I can't. I can't stop murdering him now that people are telling me not to. That would mean that the community is in control of me, and I can't let that happen. <laughs> stop. So, stop yelling at me. This is violence. Why are you? You're, you're causing why are me you to punching yourself? Quit hitting yourself. Right. Right. It's just unreal. So one of the big standouts was uh, this um, the Minneapolis police chief, uh, Madaria Arandondo, mm. um, took the stand to basically testify against Chauvin. Now, it's like when you really have testimony, like it's hard to tell exactly if one person is, is basically, you know, uh, hostile witness or defense. Like it's, it, it's not right, always right. clear, right? A lot of times they're just answering questions so neutrally that you can't tell like what their opinion is and if you're if you're an expert witness you shouldn't really have an opinion you're not being asked to judge anyone you're just answering questions on policy and procedure and things of that nature especially if you're you know asked to be a credible expert witness you're not going to have an opinion on the case or you're not going to reflect an opinion on well, the case in your answers they can say this answers. is normal or this is not this is you know this goes with procedure and this doesn't right yeah right so right. but but the fact that it, the 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 acting police chief, he's police chief now, is being called to testify is is fairly unprecedented. I don't know of any other cases where the police chief of a major city is called to testify. Uh, and he basically destroyed the defense's argument. Uh, he was asked, you know, is there any amount of bystander hostility that can justify additional use of force against a suspect? And he said, no, there is none. And additionally, right. he said he was asked, you know, if if the use of force against a suspect was causing crowd hostility, would it make sense to decrease that use of force to de-escalate the crowd? And and that police right. chief said, yes, that would make sense. Yeah, so I mean, I mean like what, that... Lucas, what the fuck would he say to that? Like, other than, yeah, obviously, right. If you're doing something that's pissing people off, maybe stop doing that. Like, what the. So the next day, they had a woman, uh, she's a police officer, uh, Minneapolis Police Force. Her name is Nicole McKenzie. Uh, she's formerly an EMT, and she's the officer who trains every other Minneapolis police officer in first aid and CPR. And this is something they have to be recertified every two years at, right? So she had trained Derek Chauvin how to administer CPR several times, right? He's been on the police force for 19 years. She had been the one that to do that teaching for at least the last seven years, right? Right. And, you know, they, they showed in court, you know, here's his certification. You certified him. She testified, yes, I did. Uh, and Minneapolis um, PD first aid requires that an officer administer life-saving procedures, not simply call EMS, which Derek Chauvin did not do, right? So right, predictably, predictably, his attorney, Eric Nelson, 
argues that, oh, he couldn't administer CPR because the crowd was so hostile and chaotic that he, he couldn't administer life-saving procedures. He had to keep killing him. Right. That's their argument, which is just completely nonsensical because he created that chaotic environment when he lynched George Floyd. Right. What are they? So, what are they trying to murder in the second? What are they actually trying to trying to uh, convict I, him on? I don't know exactly, but I mean, it's clearly won't be first degree murder. I doubt. It can't I be. Yeah, right. Couldn't possibly be first degree murder charge. But yeah, he'll he'll. I mean, the the, the fact that there was also a testimony from from uh, the chief saying that you know the the very few kinds of neck restraints we do. Uh, you would never use your leg. You would never use your weight. You would put your knee into their back if you're handcuffing them. And then once they were handcuffed, you would take their, your knee off them. You would never put your knee on their neck. That's not something we train our officers to do. So the fact right, that to, to what he did... Death, right. But that's always their excuse. They're like, well, we followed our training. right? And as long as they can use that as an excuse, they get off for murder. When right. the police chief says that's not procedure... And when this medical uh, officer who trains him on CPR says he had to administer his CPR and didn't, that means well, he's liable and, for his death. And and this is what, like, the idiot liberals like Cenk Uger don't, like, because they have to justify in their minds that, you know, the same way he has to ju- justify that capitalism, capitalism isn't the problem, it's just a subset of people, he has to justify in his mind that all cops aren't fucking bastards and that it's not a systematic you know rot that it's just a few bad apples it's like oh well you know the training they they just they need to be trained better. it's like no they all fucking train they all know what they're doing they all know exactly what they're doing and they all know all the fucking procedures quote unquote that they're breaking they don't give a fuck because they're fucking psychos they're a bunch of racist fucking murderous you know roided out psychopaths and this is what they do they take out their frustration uh when they can't take it out on their wives because they fucking you know escape they they take it out on the fucking black people that they harass on a daily basis this is why they become cops most of them like it's right or why they stay on the force after they've had you know dozens of of complaints uh you know because they have this thing called qualified immunity where they can't be personally sued by their victims, right? And that's hopefully about to go away. Um, and, and of course, as soon as, you know, the chief said that, uh, you know, that, you know, pressing his, his knee on his neck for nine minutes, that's not a thing we train anyone to do. Uh, of course, the defense argued, Eric Nelson, his attorney, argued that, you know, officers' use of force deviates from training so often, so often, that actually he can't be held accountable. <laughs> And by the so way, now his knee wasn't really on his neck. It was more like on his shoulder. It was, it was, it was mostly on the ground. It just oh, was, you know, yeah, that was the, the funniest part was the uh, defense attorney, Eric Nelson, uh, submitted a, uh, a diagram from the training manual showing an officer restraining someone to handcuff them by putting his knee on between their shoulder blades and says, right. look, this is the training manual. He's doing the exact same thing that the defendant <laughs> was doing. And like literally the police chief was like, uh, that that image is of somebody with their knee on their back, not their neck. And then we'll he like they tried to like right? the, the, the defense tried to like quibble and argue and say, well, his it's, his leg is still on his neck. Like, well, his shin's on his neck, but his knee's not. So his weight would like I'm like, oh my fucking god, this is this is a joke. 
This is a fucking joke really at this is. point. They've right. already decided that he's going to do time. They've already probably told him, you'll do time, but it won't be that much. They don't want right. the he'll country get to get set on years. fire. And yeah. Yep, he'll get, he'll he'll get sentenced two. to seven years for manslaughter. He'll get out in two to three with good behavior. Uh, and they'll keep him locked away from all the black prisoners. And he'll hang out with his, some Nazis in there and get a couple tattoos. And, you know, he'll get out and get a get job working job. for... GCS, <laughs> right, or right. G4S, or, or, whatever or the fuck they're whatever, whatever the fuck yeah. Blackwater's up to these days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just you know, same as it ever was. Well, but. now I'm just drinking because I'm sad. <sighs> I'm not celebrating anymore. <laughs> <laughs> right. I would be shocked. I mean, uh, do, what do we know about the judge in this case? Because obviously, you know, we, we I, I would be shocked if he wasn't found guilty. Uh, you know, yeah. even even with a even with an insanely handpicked jury pool, I mean, there's no defense for this. But in terms of sentencing, what do we, what do we uh, like? Uh, do we know anything about the judge? What do we expect out of? I mean, you know, again, most he's judges. He's a white are, guy. He's an old white guy. Yeah. He's, you know, I, right. I think he, most judges just like they want to move as quickly as possible and just like get everything into the record. Uh, you know, once they have everything in the record, closing arguments, jury deliberates, it's like, okay. You know, is there, you know, do we have enough evidence that he's responsible for his death beyond a reasonable doubt? Yes, we do. Okay. We find the defendant guilty. Okay. Sentencing, you know, what's what's appropriate when you kill someone through excessive use of force, but you didn't really mean to. Are there mitigating circumstances? Yeah. Right. Well, the mitigating circumstances, of course, is they're saying, well, he was on so many drugs that that's why right. he died. But the coroner said, uh, no, he didn't have a heart attack. He didn't overdose. Uh, the blood flow to his brain was cut off by the weight of a man uh, pressing his knee and his full weight of his body down on his carotid artery. But allegedly right. he Go said, figure. but I ate so many drugs, even though no one can hear it on any tape anywhere. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You don't even yeah. eat dr- What do you eat? Drugs? Who says that, right? Who, who, how do you eat drugs? Like, what do you fucking eat? A pot brownie? That, you don't that, eat that, drugs. That's just, that reeks of like the, the guy who spray painted Black's Rule on his driveway. It's <laughs> just like the, yeah. Someone who's see, never actually had a conversation before. You, you take the THC oil and you inject it into your vein. That's how you, that's how you take <laughs> you drugs. Shoot, you shoot it up. That's how you take marijuana, right? Um, right. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, well, you know, <laughs> moving on to even cheerier uh, news, we should also, you know, briefly touch on the Adam Toledo uh, situation, uh, which, you know, you uh, when, when the, the, do you have the details on the Adam Toledo shooting? Yeah, uh, so this... 13-year-old uh, who was murdered by the cops? Adam Toledo, yeah, 13 years old, uh, was shot by Chicago police, uh, only shot him once and killed him. Wow. Usually they they just like unload the clip. And right. in this case they only shot him once. Um but they didn't release any information uh for 72 hours. In fact, because he was only 13, had no driver's license, no arrest record, no fingerprints in the system, so they couldn't even find the family for 2 days. He was reported as a missing person and the police finally showed up and said, "Oh, we found him and killed him." So the police have said there was a gun at the scene, and they tweeted out a picture of a gun laying on the ground. Uh, no image of it in the hands of the victim. And they said there was an armed confrontation. Now, they have not said if the victim was holding the gun, pointed the gun at an officer, uh, was you know just standing near a gun. They haven't said anything. And the thing is, if they shoot a 13-year-old kid 
and he was actually holding a gun, they would have oh, said that. Be, there'd immediately. be a picture already. So there's still another the video. <laughs> right. So there is video. They say they're going to release it sometime in the next 60 days, first to the family and then to the public. But it's it's very obvious that they're trying to get a narrative going first. And right. even though the police have not said that Adam Toledo had a gun, the mayor has come out and repeatedly said, we're going to find the people responsible for putting a gun in the hands of that child. But they haven't Fuck said that. Life, they haven't said that. So right. it, it's very obvious to me that they are trying to get their story straight. Now, why were the police there? You would assume that, you know, 13-year-old kid, if he had a gun, hanging out with this 21-year-old kid who also was arrested, not charged with any weapons offense, right? You would think, okay, well, if that he was hanging out with this 21-year-old kid, is that where he got the gun? Why wouldn't they charge him with a weapons felony? You know, because having right. a gun, just having a gun in Chicago is, is prohibited by uh, city ordinance. None of that. None of that, none of that, has happened, right? So, like, what's going on here, right? And everyone says, well, it was a 13-year-old kid doing out at 2 in the morning. Bad parents. Bad, you know, he was a thug. He was a gay, you know. All that shit's getting thrown out there. Um, but what was, why were the police there? Well, at first, there was reports that, uh, you know, they were called there because the shots were fired. Gunshots, right? And they thought, well, somebody must have called 911. Turns out, not true. Uh, police were called there by an AI, so this is something I had never heard of before. Yeah. But Chicago, like 90 other U.S. cities, has a program, a acoustic surveillance technology. That sounds Orwellian as fuck. Called, right. <laughs> called Shot Spotter, which is basically you put up a bunch of microphones all over a neighborhood, and if gunshots go off, the computer can triangulate the location of where those gunshots were fired. And the website says... It can distinguish between gunshots and fireworks, but all of their data is proprietary. It's paid for by the public, but the public can't see the data. We're not allowed oh, to have that information. That, 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 seems, that seems fair. So um, a little bit of reporting on just yeah. shot spotter, because I want to make it clear that why the police came there is because of a computer system that has zero accountability. Right, because so, of a Silicon Valley tech bro that came up with this fucking great, you know, idea right. to sell to these fucking maniac cops. Yeah. So here's a little paragraph here. Despite the lack of data and independent analysis, nearly 90 cities in the U.S. have deployed shot spotter sensors. Uh, 90, some question. Nine zero. Yeah. Ninety. Wow. Yeah, and I'd never heard of this before. So same. Uh, the question of whether to use shot spotter comes down to whether the money, up to $90,000 per square mile each year, would be wow. better used for other technology, such as police body cameras. Charlotte, North Carolina, terminated its contract with ShotSpotter last year, reportedly claiming that the technology was not worth the money because it did not help Charlotte police solve gun crimes. So $90,000 per square mile per year... Right, so I, I know that this is not deployed throughout all of Chicago. They only use it in, uh, you know, black and brown communities. <laughs> but right, of course, if it if it were in all two hundred thirty four square miles of the city of Chicago, that's twenty one million dollars a year. Right. So right. this AI basically, when it when it thinks it's heard gunshots, between three different microphones, triangulates where the where it came from within like sixty feet, so they say. Right, and they even have a little waveform 
thing on the website to show the difference in a waveform between fireworks and <laughs> and gunshots. How about and if you've guns? heard fireworks, well, they don't make that much noise. Um, but if you've heard gunshots and fireworks, like yeah, you can usually tell the difference, you know, human ear. Uh, but can a computer? We don't know. But we're gonna willing to pay ninety thousand dollars per square mile to right. assume it can. What about a car backfiring? Like, can it tell the difference between that and a gunshot? Because I fucking can't. Right. Right. So, you know, when I learned that, I'm like, was this kid, this 13-year-old kid, did he even have a gun? Were there even shots fired at all? We don't know. Was there any reason to think that that. he was involved in the gunshot, even if there was a gunshot? Like, right. So there's just no fucking... The fact that they only shot him once is also telling. Because Mm. that tells me that you know, because you know full well when a cop thinks their life's in danger, they unload that clip. They right. keep firing even when the body's on the ground. Well, and they've they admitted he was firing. running away, right? Yeah, yeah. So. And, and then the mayor comes out and says, well, this is why we shouldn't do foot chases, because foot chases are, are dangerous to everyone, especially the officers. Like, oh, my fucking God, Lori. <laughs> yeah, it's not the foot bag. chase she that really killed is. him. It's the fucking gun that killed him, right? right. And I... I guarantee, guarantee that, yeah, I mean, you know that they carry, you know, serial number less guns with them that they will plant. Oh, we've, I mean, we've seen them up. in videos, right? We've seen videos yeah. of them doing it. Video of the fucking, the cop that sh- shoots the guy in the back 10 times and then just casually walks up, pulls out his own taser and throws it on the ground. Because he's right. going to tell them that the the guy grabbed his taser. Doesn't realize he's being filmed. That's how casual and willing to falsely incriminate a victim they are. So the right. fact it's almost that, like, like they, yeah. right. The, the, so just just to surmise, like, I mean, the fact that they haven't released the footage yet, the fact that they haven't actually said what this armed confrontation entailed, or whether the victim actually was holding the gun, means that he wasn't. <laughs> and mm-hmm. the fact that this was, you know, this call came in from an AI, not even a real person, makes me question whether there was even any actual gunfire that right. occurred prior to them showing up and killing this kid. It, it, it's really unbelievable. And, and it really makes you think, like, gee, maybe th- these officers do this so well and with such you know precision, you almost wonder if there's a second training that they get from their fellow officers on how to cover up when you accidentally fucking shoot somebody. Like, they all seem to know exactly what to do in those situations and handle it much calmer than they handle almost any other situation. And what was so, that infuriating article you had, Comrade, where it was like... Oh, I, I actually... So you mentioned it was behind a paywall. I actually managed to pull it up on my on my laptop behind you know, yeah. a, a browser window. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a column in the Chicago Tribune by Eric Zorn. Um, column, let's wait before turning slain 13-year-old Adam Toledo into a martyr. Fuck you, um, fucks. Yeah, no. this motherfucker. I don't care what the story is. Year old. Yeah, I don't care if he was in a gang. I don't care if he had 35 weapons on him. That is still a tragedy. Like, that right. is, yes, that is still a victim. <sighs> and if he was in a fucking gang, it's probably because you terrorize his fucking neighborhood. And that's the only way that anyone feels safe in that neighborhood is to get protection from what, what they perceive to be protection from bigger, stronger kids in the neighborhood. Like, it's just fucking insane. And maybe that's what the whole thing was. Maybe it was somebody in a gang trying to pressure him, and he was trying to get... Like, we don't know, because they won't tell us. Who fucking knows? Right, of course. And, um, 
But, and, so, yeah, and of course, in this article, there's, you know, there, he basically, oh, and headlines from around the country in just the last six months remind us that 13 year olds aren't inherently, ange- aren't inherently angelic. And he just lists off a bunch of 13 year olds that were charged with shooting. So, I mean, this, this is like the black crime section of fucking Breitbart. Like, this is the shit that the shit that the fucking Chicago Tribune thinks is, is, is worthy of printing in their newspaper. And like, just keep just in mind, disgusting. just keep in mind, uh, Kyle Rittenhouse is only four years older. Than Adam Toledo, right. right? And he murdered people, and he is out on bail because Nazis apparently can use GoFundMe, uh, and they don't have a problem with that. Um, but something else, the apparently one of his teachers uh, in school wrote a long thing, and th- this kid Adam Toledo was uh, special needs. Um, he was uh, apparently high functioning but still had some level of learning disability uh, and was put in a special ed class with kids that were uh, had much higher degrees of disability, learning disability, and he kind of was stuck in between, like, didn't really fit in with them either. Uh, It was hard for him to make friends. Uh, Yeah, I mean, you, 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 you know, and then you've got COVID, all of that on top of everything, uh, and... It is absolutely a tragedy. Now, I, it's it's weird to say we shouldn't turn him into a martyr because a martyr means you died for a cause, and this you know the, the the tragedy of this is that Adam Toledo died for nothing. There was right. no reason he died. So right. to pretend as though you know if if we're outraged by that that we're engaging in martyrdom, that's fucking gaslighting. Yeah, right. That's right. that's bullshit. What they're saying is, what he's trying to say is, oh, if you're mad about this, you should feel guilty because you're the problem. Let's not point fingers. That's what well, this, this yeah, Chicago Tribune wait, article is trying to do. Wait for more facts to come out, people. Right. Well, we'll, like, we'll as, wait as, until the video comes out this summer when it's fucking 95 degrees and we'll burn the fucking place down. Trust me. <laughs> right, <laughs> we'll wait. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So the, it's a great, yeah, it's a great strategy to try to, because they're going to have to release the video eventually. So, you know, it's yeah, just, yeah. They're just prolonging the inevitable. Right they're going to push it into a red hot summer. Uh, and, and I guarantee, I mean, people have watched the video. <laughs> they know, they know what's on it. And I guarantee it's not Adam Toledo holding a gun. Right, because if it was, we would have fucking seen it already. Yeah. So yeah, right. Ugh, man, it's just fucking. It's just so depressing. But <laughs> well, I'm still drinking. <laughs> oh God! All right, I need, well, I need to know. start, man. It's like I'm gonna. <laughs> Why am I alone? Eighty-one degrees here already. <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm a night drinker. I don't day drink as much. I, I don't right. either. But you know. <laughs> Well, Salud. You know. Salud. <laughs> right. Everyone drink uh, to our to our 200th episode, you know, celebration. Um, yeah. You know, so obviously we, 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 we talked about a lot of depressing stuff today, but um, it, is, it is pretty awesome that we made it to 200 episodes. Um, and yeah, so uh, keep a lookout because we have uh, a couple of, of movie episodes in the pipeline that we want to do soon. So that will be... Uh, on its way uh, in the next couple weeks. And we're still uh, going to review Roma eventually. We just got to get Anthony over his fear of foreign films. <laughs> I don't have a fuck you. I don't have a fear of foreign films. You told me you've Fuckers. watched like less than five foreign films in your life. I, no, I said I said less than 20 probably. Oh, okay. no, I just, you said a handful. Right. So I think handful I, I, say I think. You, I say five. you can count on, on 
what did I say? Two hands? I don't know what I said, but whatever I said. No, I no, I've seen a lot. I just you know, I, it, it's a it's a it's it's a logistical issue for me because I usually watch movies like before I sleep mm-hmm. on my smaller TV, and I can't really read like a, a completely subtitled movie from my bed from on this little TV. I but one one day I will get to it. Yeah, I mean, you could almost watch this movie without subtitles and not even know what they're saying, and you'd still like get what's going on because so much of it is told visually and not right. uh, not with a subtitle. Have you seen Roma, Madonna? No, I haven't. Oh my god, it's what's it on? Like, I, I don't Netflix. It's it's on Netflix. Yeah. Oh, okay. So I, it's by the guy, same guy that made uh, Children of Men. Right, so like a lot of very very long shots, um, but it's it's just a, an amazing work of art about um, this woman in Mexico City who's just a like a you know basically a maid caring for a wealthy family's kids uh, back in the 1970s. It's all shot on black and white, um, and it's just exquisite. And it's one of the best uh, you know like pro worker anti capitalist films that I've ever seen. And I can't right. believe I didn't I didn't know about it when it first came out just a couple of years ago, 2018. But I've I've wanted to review it for a, a while. It, it now. is a Netflix movie, so you can't be. I mean, they th- almost all of their movies are fucking atrocious. So <laughs> it is it is kind of amazing when one sneaks through that's not yeah. you know like yeah. f- don't tell. like fucking triple frontier well, or whatever the you fuck. know there there's some great directors out there that are I'm sure like no studio is going to make this. Hey Netflix, will you put this out because it's it's my passion project. So there's yeah. there's a lot of those. Hidden, I mean, I think Netflix even has a section called Hidden Gems, where you can they find do, like right. some really good shit. They, um, they just have zero curation because for every great movie like that they do, they'll do ten Adam Sandler in in you know Belize <laughs> movies. Like, fuck it. Um, but you know, what are you gonna do? Uh, but yeah, so in hopefully next week, if not the week after, we will be review, and hopefully Ladonna is gonna be able to join us. We'll be reviewing one of my. It, it, it's typically it's like my go-to answer when people are like, "Hey, what's your favorite movie of all time?" That's like the first Love it. Love ans- it. answer that comes to my head. So yeah, that'll be uh, super fun. Um, and, and high and fidelity. What is, yes. what is the name of that movie? There we go. Yeah, <laughs> I, I was going to keep which, it a surprise, but yes, high uh, fidelity. We will we'll be. <laughs> which I actually pitched to you. I was the one that was like, "Hey, you want to review High Fidelity?" And well, you were, yeah, you you were like, it, like, like slammed your fist down on your desk and stood up, and you're like, <laughs> "Just get it ready. Um, you're gonna have to have your top five heartbreaks of all time." <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah, for sure. We're gonna have to have to do that. And it's it's such a, right. just a little little tease here, but it's such a great film because it does right what so many other '90s record store movies did wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, right, and it really was kind of like the end of. John Cusack's like screwball 80s, 90s comedies and like the beginning of Jack Black's screwball 2000s comedies. It's <laughs> so, just so right. on brand. Passing of the torch. Yeah, I worked at yeah. Tower and I can't tell you how many dudes I knew exactly like that. So, <laughs> like, what? No, I, I said that to him when we were talking about it. I was like, I've been, because I, you know, I collect vinyl. I mean, I haven't lately with the pandemic because I don't really want to buy as many used things, yeah. but. Um, I, you know, I have a pretty like decent vinyl collection and I would just go to these little indie record stores that are still around and there is always some variation of one of the three characters from High Fidelity working behind the counter <laughs> always, in these places. Always. Almost, it's, it's almost always Dick, like the weird, creepy one. Like that's almost <laughs> always who it is. But sometimes it's, it's Rob or sometimes it's uh, Jack Black's character. <laughs> oh, man. Um, Do you even know your daughter? <laughs> <laughs> Right, no, Fucking I have. Yeah, right, <laughs> um, but for real, yeah, we're, we're just, yeah. So I can't wait to do that. But uh, yeah, so I, thanks I, for I, 
I would love to do it next week if we can. Just, just yeah, to yeah, like, yeah, we're gonna, tr- yeah. I, I, if if our schedules can all line up, we'll do it. Um, I, I, I'm good, but we'll 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 figure it out. Um, this cool. week. So, uh, yeah, uh, that about does it for us this week. Uh, if you like the show and want to support it, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, follow us on SoundCloud at SoundCloud.com slash move left uh patreon.com slash move left uh facebook.com slash move left idiots uh we have merch available at tinyurl.com uh slash move left pod ladonna where uh do you still have your gofundme up for your medical expenses you know what i'm gonna actually highlight a different one that's gonna go up later tonight i'm at poly bent p-o-l-i-b-e-n-t and i'm gonna be highlighting a friend of mine uh, a gay woman of color who is struggling with a leukemia blast event, and she is trying to raise funds to get to City of Hope so she can get her stem cell transplant done. And we would love you to support that more than anything. Yeah, uh, when, when you when you say blast event, that makes it sound fun, but I'm guessing that's not the case. Not the case. Yeah, it's a huge <laughs> right, uptick in white cells. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Great healthcare system we have in this country. Mm. And um, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so, uh, yeah, go go check that out at Polybent. Um, uh, yeah, the show has a Twitter, at uh, MoveLeftPod. I am on Twitter, at Move underscore left. Uh, um, and I'm on Twitter, at Bike Slutty. Right, and we will see you next week. <laughs>